0: Welcome back to a, uh, another Future Sox podcast, our first one of the offseason. Uh, it is the, what is the middle of November here in uh, Chicago. We're going to do a series of uh, interviews with a handful of White Sox prospects and baseball riders. But uh, this first one uh, features Dylan Cease and Gavin Sheets. Right now, uh, Dylan is joining me uh, for, via Skype from Georgia. So, Dylan, uh, your weather in Georgia probably a lot nicer than it is up here in Chicago.
1: I don't know it's in the 30s and rainy right now but uh no, never yeah mind, can't complain
0: no it's uh yeah it's not uh it's not raining but uh, I guess the temperature is about the same but it's supposed to snow I think tonight and tomorrow so that'll be that'll be fun yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um
0: yeah so first things first thanks for taking some time this evening um before we get into uh any specifics uh, how's your off season been
1: it's been great so far um I'm probably a couple of weeks in the lifting uh I went I got to meet the uh, the yogi I'm a really big fan of so I got to meet meet him and do like a program with him so that was really exciting and uh so yeah right now I'm just getting my body ready and, and getting ready to go for next year
0: you mentioned um before we started the podcast that you haven't really thrown at all since I mean for a few months um so when are you going to get back to throwing then
1: I'll probably start. I'll probably start tossing again in December. Uh, I always like to take, you know, some time off at the end of the season, let my arm recover, and start working on my body before I before I start throwing. But I'll probably start start getting after it in December.
0: So we'll get into uh, the uh, the workload you, you had this season in just a little bit. But first, uh, MLB Pipeline Pitcher of the Year for uh, 2017. Let's talk about the Dash season. You were at the Dash in the Barons. Let's talk about the season with the Dash first. That's where I was, okay. was able to see you you know, numerous times, including that uh, game that eventually clinched the uh, first half title. But with the – you, you – uh, I don't want to say this. You dominated, but then I want to say in Birmingham you did even better. So I guess what was the key for you, uh, I guess, in Winston-Salem this year? Uh,
1: I think in Winston uh, I started using a lot more changeups, and obviously my fastball command and all that was, uh, was better than it was last year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I really started kind of getting a feel for my off speed too. Um, I didn't really start throwing a slider much until I got to double A and, uh, and uh, when I got to double A, I kind of changed my curveball and like the shape of the pitch a little bit. So I think that and more consistency in my command is why I did even better in double A, but, uh, I feel like high was definitely like a good base for me to have that jump in double A.
0: I think one of the things that stood out to me the most watching you pitch in Winston was, um, you know, you, you'd go, obviously you were deep into games and you'd be pitching you know, 97, 98, and you're still pumping in 99, a hundred miles an hour. And I guess that, that just shows, I guess your, your stamina and, and the strength. Is that something that you uh, maybe focused on last off season or something? Is that something that's always been there? Or where does, where did that really come from? Uh,
1: you know, it's something, it's, it's why I prepare so hard, uh, in the off season. Um, but, you know, obviously the harder you throw, the more mistakes you can get away with and the better results you're going to have. So if I can throw 98 in the eighth inning, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's almost like having a, a reliever come in and, you know, with, right. with good stuff. Uh, so, I mean, for, for the most part, I've always maintained my velocity pretty well. So, but obviously getting as strong as you can is always going to help uh, with your stamina.
0: So what was it like uh, pitching for uh, Omar and then obviously, you know, Zelensky the pitching coach, but what was Omar like as a manager? You know, I mean, I was around you guys a lot, and it just seemed like just a, a very fun-loving and, and loose manager, but uh, obviously knows his stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was definitely a really relaxed atmosphere. Um, you know, a guy like that who's, who's been there and done everything, I mean, if you can't think of some, some good questions to ask that guy, when he's your manager, you're probably losing out. Uh so that that whole team in general was was a lot of fun for me. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh it was really definitely special to, to be able to say that Omar Biscell was uh was one of my coaches. All
0: right, let's move on uh, to Birmingham. Uh so some of the numbers a whip of .99, uh, an ERA of, of 1.72, 78 strikeouts in 52 innings. And like I mentioned at the beginning, by the numbers you were even better in Double A than A. Uh you mentioned that you started uh, mixing your slider a lot more there is that yeah. maybe why you fared better or what was go- what was the reason?
1: Uh, I changed my curveball grip to like more of a knuckle curve, okay. and that made my curveball better. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to say. I definitely my slider is definitely better in Double um, I feel like I got a better feel for it and all that. Um, so I, I don't know. I just got I just got in a groove where I felt like you know I could throw a curveball two zero for a strike or you know, locate my fastball pretty well. So uh, I think I was just in a good position to to do well and uh, help the team. So that was a, that was a really good experience for me. Definitely a confidence booster.
0: I uh, have you, I was, let's go back to Winston real quick. You mentioned the guys you played with um, yeah. you know, a lot of people around minor league baseball thought maybe that may be one of the most talented minor league baseball teams, you know, in all of baseball, I mean, you guys,
2: yeah.
0: I mean, from top to bottom, that lineup, you top hundred prospects all over the place. So, I mean, there's so many guys to, to, to talk about, but yeah. I don't want you, I don't want you to single out some guys and you know, leave some guys out, but I mean, as a whole, and maybe, maybe if you want to go into some individual guys, that's fine. But what was that like each day? I mean, you're out there on the mound knowing you've got such a great defense behind you and then knowing a team like that will give you lots and lots of run support. Yeah. Uh, and
1: that's without uh, Jake Berger and right. Luis Robert for when I was there. So, I mean, imagine if we had, you know, those two extra guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was one of the most talented groups I've ever been with for sure. Um, I think one of the things that – obviously the offense was good, but I think the, the starting pitching was was really good too. You know, you had like – you had guys like Jimmy Lambert, Bernardo Flores. Um, let's see, who
0: am I leaving out? I'm, I know I'm leaving too out, but I mean – Pardon? I said Debico did well. Uh, I mean, there's some other DePico, guys. Debico. yeah. Uh, Kyle Kuba. I mean, we
1: had a we had a lot of pitchers do well, and then obviously the offense was, you know, uh, offensive juggernaut for the most part. So uh, that was that was definitely one of the most fun uh, teams I've ever been on.
0: Um, let's uh, let's go back to uh, Birmingham. Um, so there's you know, a lot of the guys that. Um, that were in Winston the first half moved up as well, you know, Alex Call and and Joel Booker, some of those guys that I was able to see there. How how do you think they, you know, everyone can read the numbers, but uh, how do you think some of those guys uh, did as they moved up as well with you?
1: Yeah, I was really, uh, I was really impressed with Booker all year, honestly. Um, I I think, you know, I think Call
0: did fantastic
1: as well, actually. Um, You know, I'd have to, You'd have to talk to him and see how see how from his perspective. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure those guys are probably always harder on themselves than, you know, what the numbers say. But uh, I was impressed with both of them. Uh, I'm a really big fan of how smooth uh, Alex Cole's swing is. And then with Booker, he's just a wirely uh, explosive athlete. So uh, both of those guys bring, in, you know, some different tools to the table, but they're both fun to watch and can help a team win.
0: A lot of, um, a lot of, you know, so-called experts are down on the uh, catching prospects in the White Sox organization. I don't know. Um, you, I know Zach was there all season, and then obviously you, you threw to a few guys in Winston. Um, I, did you get to throw to Sebi at all, or was it just who, is, who are your catchers? Down there?
1: I threw to Sebi in uh, spring training, but okay. uh, during the season it was Nate Jones and uh, Collins for the most part.
0: Okay, uh, so what did you think of uh, Collinsen? And... I mean,
1: Nate, know Nolan, not Nate Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed throwing a Collins. He was, he was way. I mean, he was twice as better in Double A when I threw to him than in spring training. So uh, uh-huh. whatever he did to, oh, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah, good.
1: Okay. Uh, whatever he did to improve was, you know, it worked because he was, he was definitely way better. In uh, double A. So, I mean, I, you know, I have no problem throwing to him. Um, you know, it was obviously we, we had some good success in double A. So, uh, you know, I trust him. Uh,
0: so, you going back to your career high of uh, 214 innings this year, um, and then you um, you were shut down, I guess, was at the end of August, I want to say, or maybe yeah. the last week of August, whatever it was. What did you think of that decision? And then I know you said you haven't thrown since September, but then how is your arm feeling? How's your arm feeling like after that season with that with that workload?
1: Yeah, uh it was I ended up throwing about thirty more innings uh this season than I did the year before. Uh so I respected the decision. Uh, I definitely feel like I had more in the tank. But um, you know, it's never a bad it's never a bad, you know, decision to be cautious. Um uh, right. my arm feels fantastic right now. My arm really never I never really had any problems with really it during the season, so uh you know, I'm looking looking to get ready for next year and, and get
0: after it. All right. Uh, speaking of, of next year, last thing uh, here for you. Well, last baseball thing, real quick. I want to ask you something else. But uh, okay. wh- what are some uh, what are some of your goals for 2019? Obviously, I mean, you see you see where the White Sox are, and then you, you know you want to get up there and help as soon as possible. What do you think are some realistic goals for you as a pitcher? Not 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 your the team where you start, or not the organization, but for you as a pitcher yourself
1: uh i mean for me most of my stuff is probably going to be like more process oriented goals the the more i the more i learn my process and learn how to handle myself and take care of business the more the results will be there you know with i'm not gonna say less effort but with less tension and less stress you know that's one of the big things is the better routine the better you learn how to handle yourself all that more awareness uh it just makes it makes life easier so for me it'll be You know, knowing what adjustments to make, pitch to pitch or, you know, learning how to take care of my body even better, just little stuff like that and and let the results take care of themselves. But uh, I look forward to hopefully being able to have just as good of a season or better this upcoming season. Uh,
0: I guess kind of piggybacking on top of that, you mentioned um, earlier that you kind of changed your curveball and your slider towards the end of last year a little bit. Is that something – is one of your goals maybe for 2019 to – even improve on those a little bit more, and, and to kind of tweak with that more, and make it even more dominant of pitches.
1: Yeah, I'm always trying to improve. Um, you know, I think, you know, with it, maybe one of the things I can think is always make sure I throw it with, you know, fastball arm speed, or you know, just little cues like that. Uh, I don't plan on changing the grips or anything unless I really feel like uh, that needs to be addressed. But you know, I was happy, I was happy with the shape of my pitches by the end of last year. So really, I just want to be more more consistent with everything.
0: All right, Dylan. Last thing for you. Um, I think when I when I interviewed you, I think it might have been in, in maybe early June or whatever it was. I asked you about um, you know being traded from the Cubs to the Sox. So for people that didn't hear that, take me through you know what it was like. Um, well, first of all, when you were drafted by the Cubs, one, and then two, yeah. when you found out that you were traded from the Cubs to the Sox, your reaction.
1: Yeah, when I was drafted, it was it was a lot of mixed emotions because I had the injury. Right. So, uh, you know, I knew I was going to have to go get the surgery and I was going to be away from home for a long time. So, uh, that part of me, I was really scared, but I was also excited to have the opportunity. Um, and fortunately I I learned how to be a better professional with the Cubs and learned how to kind of carry myself. And, you know, obviously through the rehab, you kind of learn how to be patient. You learn how to follow a process. Um, so for that, I'm really grateful. And then, uh,
0: you know, the day I got traded,
1: I think I got a call at, like, 10 in the morning, um, and I kind of had an idea it might have been happening, because I kept getting, uh, my starts kept kept getting pushed back, uh, and then it, it finally happened, and I packed up all my stuff and drove to South Carolina and met up with, uh, with Kannapolis, so that was, that really, I mean, it takes, you know, it's such, an in, such a quick thing that I think it takes, like, you know, a couple months to really, like, decompress and, like, realize, oh, wow, okay, I'm, this is completely new, this is different, because in the moment you're just, you know, doing what you have to do to, to be the best player and teammate and all that that you can.
0: So I'm going to ask you this question, there's absolutely no way of knowing the answer right now, but I'm going to anyways. Okay. When you are okay. uh, on the mound at, at Guaranteed Rate or, or maybe uh, against the Cubs or at Wrigley against the Cubs, is there going to be a little bit extra there?
1: <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, mean, I want to, every time I face, I want to you know give that a little bit extra right. um I, it, that's, that's a tough one <laughs> uh, i mean I'm, i like i said i'm always i always want to give a little bit extra every but you know i'm sure with you know with the crowd as big as it would be or you know it's, with with any of those big market teams especially i mean i'm sure you have just a little bit of extra adrenaline but no i plan on giving it you know giving my extra every every time i pitch
0: all right man thanks a lot uh we'll uh we'll talk later Uh, get ready for spring training and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, dominate like you did last year. Thanks. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So that was MLB Pipeline Pitcher of the Year, Dylan Cease. Up next, Gavin Sheets. All right. Welcome back to the second half of our uh, first off season future Sox podcast. And uh, first half was Dylan Cease and now it is uh, Sox first baseman, Gavin Sheets. Gavin uh, spending time in the East coast now here in the off season. So Gavin, thanks for taking some time tonight, man.
2: Uh, thanks for having me.
0: So, uh, you know, I got to see you in Winston Salem uh, all season. You, you know, you went away, so you're very familiar with, uh, yeah. with, with playing in, uh, in, in Winston Salem. So, what was it like? I know you're not from, from Winston Salem, but you spent a few years in, in school there, and then you're, you're there right. for another year at Winston Salem. So, what was it like? Uh, not playing in front of your hometown fans, but playing in, in a city where you're familiar with.
2: Yeah, I mean. It, 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 exactly what you said. I've, I've spent a ton of time there and, and, you know, it, Baltimore and Winston-Salem are the two places I feel like I'm from. And, um, obviously right when I got drafted, that was something that kind of came to my mind was the, was the thought of getting to go back to Winston and, and play in front of those fans. And, um, you know, obviously to, to start there was, was awesome this year and, um, got a lot of familiar faces and, and it just, it's just a, a level of comfort that you have when you, when you're living in place that you know, you know, everything that's around you and then, um, obviously you see a lot of people that you know in the stands it it gives a little ease to to playing and, and it, it makes the transition pretty easy.
0: I know there's there are there a couple of times you know I'd be taking pictures or whatever but there's some times when I just just be sitting in the stands and there were a few times there'd be you know kids from Wake there would be like you know Gavin's playing tonight or you know I don't know if they were friends you played with or maybe just friends yeah. from school but I mean that must be kind of cool too.
2: Oh that's awesome and, and to have my senior class still there in the spring when we when we first arrived was was really cool just to you know to still be in touch with them and then see those guys and have those guys in the stands again. So that was, yeah, you know, I think that was my favorite part, just to kind of have that last that fourth year with those guys and, and be around them.
0: So let's get into your uh, your, your time with the Dash. Um, so playing first, let's start start with this. I asked still the same question, but what was it like uh, playing for Omar visco?
2: <laughs> oh man, it was a blast. You know, he, every day you show up to the ballpark you just don't know what you're in for. Um, you know, whether it's some kind of competition that he's going to have or, or some kind of artwork that he drew, he would, he would draw different guys. And, um, I mean, it, that was just the fun part of playing with Omar. You never knew what he was going to do or what he had in store. And, um, I, I think that's why we had so much success throughout the years because, you know, he kept such a light clubhouse and such a fun club clubhouse that, you know, come August and September, when when some teams are in the dog days, and, and you know he's still coming in, keeping it live, and and you know having having a lot of fun in August and September, it really kept us close and kind of you know just just kept the the clubhouse loose and and we weren't thinking about you know this is wow this is game one twenty today. Um, instead, it was kind of you know what are we, you know what what does Omar have store in the clubhouse for us today? So um, now he was a blast to work with, and and obviously then you have the 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 mental side of the game and just his experience and working with him, whether it was an in infield or just picking his brain. Um, it, it was, it was really, really cool experience to play for him.
0: I believe there was a time towards the end of the season where he uh, dyed his hair purple. Is this correct?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> he dyed his hair purple and he, I remember he put, um, some purple dye in your Mercedes hat. So when he <laughs> put it on his hair was purple too. I mean, it, it's just stuff like that. You just, <laughs> you just never know what he's going to do, but, um, you're always looking over your shoulder for for where he is because you don't want to be the next guy he's going after.
0: Um, the other thing, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time around many pro football or pro uh, pro baseball hall of famers, but he didn't act like he was better than anyone, or he just seems like a very very down to earth guy.
2: Oh, he was so down to earth, and that's that's one thing you have to respect because. Um, you know, obviously, he comes in and he's a 12-time Gold Glover and, and hopefully a future Hall of Famer. And um, you know, there's some guys that would that you would know that right away just by the way they act, but you would never know that with Omar. I mean, he he just he, he wanted to be one of us. He, I mean, if you didn't know it, you would think that he was gonna line up and play with us yeah. that day. But um, and that's that's why he that's why we had such a good relationship and and the whole team bonded around him is because he just. I mean, really, he just wanted to be one of us. You could tell he wanted to play just as bad as all of us did. But um, you know, now he was in the role of a manager, and and he he wanted us to grow as players, and and hopefully one day do the same stuff he did.
0: So let's get to the uh, the baseball, the numbers, and the uh, on the field stuff. Um, sure. You, yes. Yeah, so your numbers: uh, six home runs, sixty-one driven 293 in, two ninety-three average, and on-base percentage up near three seventy, and you slugging over over four hundred. Um, a lot of people, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say myself, but, uh, you know, a lot of Sox fans that focused on the minor leagues, you know, love the, num- the numbers in terms of, you know, the walk, the walks and stuff, but a lot of people um, wondering about the power numbers. Now, is that something right. – uh, I'll just – you take that however you want it. So the power numbers, wh- where is that for you?
2: Right. I mean, you know, I'd be crazy to say that um, – you know, I was happy with six home runs. I mean, that's, that, that would be crazy to say. And, and um, you know, I'm not blind to, to the fact that as a first baseman, th- that's your role. That's your job is to, to drive in runs and runs and hit home runs. Um, but I think at this stage in my career, it is more important to, you know, just be a good hitter, just learn how to hit first. You know, I think that's the most important thing is to, to be able to, to hit with two strikes and, and put the ball in play and, and have a high on base percentage and walk and, and cut down on strikeouts Um, you know I'm a firm believer that that if you do that the power is going to come and um, you know that's something that definitely I'm going to work on I don't think that I'm going to be naive to say that you know if I hit six home runs from from here on every year that I'll be in the big league soon I I think that that's that would be a little crazy but I do think that you know learning how to hit at the in the lower levels and and being a good hitter I think that goes a long way and um, you know I think that in this day and age of the game that that does go a little unseen but um I think there's no question that you know this offseason I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on you know getting strong but but making some adjustments to the swing where where those power numbers come back because um you know it, it's not a feeling that I have that you know I feel like I lost the power I just think it's it's just one of those things where um you know just just learning how to hit figuring out how to hit and and the power is going to come because it's still there. So I'm not worried that that the numbers aren't going to be there next year and going forward.
0: I think there was a uh, a stretch. Uh, let's see. I don't have the uh, I don't have the actual game log, you know, in front of me or something. But there was a stretch. Maybe it was the middle of the year where you hit. Uh, maybe you hit three of your your six in like a week or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you do you remember? Do you remember exactly what I'm talking about? Maybe you hit two um, in one game or maybe two in a double yeah, or something. I, I know I hit. Um, so it was right around
2: the half mark yeah, I, hit, that's what I, thought, yeah. uh, I hit two that was kind of the thing this year is that they really came in spurts and um, I hit two in, in back-to-back games yep. and then I hit two in one game and then the last week of the season I hit two in the last week of the season and then one in the last playoff game so right. um, they come in spurts and it's just one of those things that you know I it's tough to say but you know it's it's a swing thing and it, you just get the feeling and you remember the feeling and then you just go on from it. But, um, you know, going forward, I, I think that, you know, adjustment I will make going forward is, is, you know, trying to be more aggressive, trying to have that intent of of hitting the the long ball and, um, you know, seeing where I go from that. But, you know, I, I've, I've got to the point where I know I can hit, I've, I've proved I can hit this year. And now it's, it's, you know, going to the play with a little more intent and, and looking to drive the ball more and, and, you know, trying to get those home run numbers back up.
0: Um, so you, uh, you guys had, had quite a year. I mean, you guys won the first half and you guys, you know, lost, eventually lost to Buies Creek in the playoffs. who so, hey, uh, a darn good, uh, team themselves and a pretty good organization yeah. with the Astros. Um, you know, you had some, some awesome moments from opening night at home to the walk-off when Booker stole home. That was pretty sweet to, you know, clinching it that first half title. I mean, what were some of your, uh, I guess some of your favorite moments from this year?
2: Oh man, that. Yeah, there's so many as you're saying. I mean, just the Booker stealing home. Um, That's sweet. You know, obviously the night, the night that we had, um, the, that we clinched the first half. The Fourth of July game I thought was was pretty incredible because you know we were down by, I think we were down by four or something, and then you know we erupt in the seventh inning and, and we end up winning like twelve to four and in, in front of ten thousand plus. I mean, there are just so many memories from from this year that that'll, that'll go on. And, and uh, yeah, I think the coolest thing was, was that people recognized what we were doing at that low up at high A Um, you know, people all the way up the organization, everybody saw what was going on at Winston-Salem and I think that was so special for the organization and just for us as a team, because, you know, we, we knew what we were doing was going recognized and um, we were having a blast doing it. We had a great team chemistry and um, you know, really we just, it was just a contagious year. Everybody was feeding off each other and everybody was rooting for each other. And that, that was the winning formula.
0: I think, uh, you know, people, there are people that know, or not that obviously there are, but the people that know more about minor league baseball as a whole, uh, you know, we're saying that your team, um, top to bottom may have had, you know, some of the the most talent of any, of any minor league team at any level. I think that's yeah. just, I mean, you look at the number, I mean, you look at the, the rankings and, you know, the rankings are the rankings and, you know, they're obviously players that were not ranked in a top 30 pro- prospect system that were, you know, they're playing the majors today and vice versa, you know, right. all sorts of things. But so what was it like playing with such a stack lineup every night? And then with a the pitching staff that, you know, from, from Dylan and Dane, you know, some of the bigger names to some of the, yeah. the lesser known names that got it done every night too, like Bernardo Flores and Jimmy Lambert and Depico and some of these other guys.
2: Sure. I, I mean, that was, that was the thing is that, you know, you look around the room and there's so much talent and um, it, it made it easy. I mean, there was so much talent in the room that you just, you just fed off each other. And that was what was so cool about it. No one was jealous of each other when the rankings came out. Nobody was saying, Oh, why, why am I not here? Why, why is he up there? And and there was none of that. And that, that was what was so cool because I think in a minor league clubhouse, you, you tend to see stuff like that going on. And, um, you, you know, we had none of that. There was guys that, you know, guys that, I mean, like Bernardo Flores. I mean, he just, he, he threw the ball incredibly this year. And then you've got guys like Dylan Cease that are, you know, top ranked guys in system that are, that are obviously doing what he does and goes out there and, and carves every night. And then, and then the, I think the biggest thing for us was in the second half, when we moved some older guys and we sent them up, we had guys from Canapolis come in and, I mean, Laza there and Louis Gonzalez and Tyler Johnson coming in. I mean, it, it, we just kept feeling in. And I think that's what speaks about the organization. You know, it, it's such a great organization in terms that we can just its next guy up. And, um, you know, I think when they got to Winston, everybody just feeds off each other. You know, whether you're getting called up or moved down or, or whatever it is, you just feed off each other. And, um, you know, with that kind of talent in the room, it's its hard not to.
0: That was going to be my uh, my next point. You kind of stole my thunder, so thank you for that note. Um <laughs> Uh, so I don't know how many organizations I'm sure it's happened for obviously but I don't know how many organizations go out dominate the first half lose so many important players and then they just bring more up and didn't seem to skip a beat in terms of record wise or even team chemistry and it was just it was just pretty pretty awesome to see you know I've been I've been a Sox fan since I was you know, since I could barely walk, so for me, right. it's 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 awesome to finally see, you know, the, the organization do the rebuild correctly and just see waves and waves of talent come in. So, what was it like for you being a part of that first half club? You kind of touched on it, being part of that first half club and then having yeah. the new guys come up, not skip a beat.
2: No, I mean, you, you, you touched on it. It's just it was pretty exciting to see. I mean, we we moved some guys up, but I think the the core group of guys stayed in Winston and um you know I think we made the guys who moved up they obviously were thrilled for them and we went up and and we we kind of had a meeting with the guys that were staying in there and we said look we need to keep this culture the way it is right. you know regardless of the guys that moved up it's important that when the guys from Canapolis get here they need to know they're part of something special and um I think we did a really good job of that but I, I mean the biggest thing is that I think those guys came into it knowing that they wanted to be a part of what was going on in you know the guys in Canapolis all knew when they got up there what we had done in the first half, and you know who was on the team, and, and I think that they just bought into it. And they, I mean, as you said, the second half was was just as good, if not better. And um, you know, I think that's something special that the White Sox have have created.
0: Uh, so like some of those other guys, yes. Let's, let's. I'm going to ask you about some players you got you played against, but let's talk about some of the guys you played with. Um, okay. you didn't get a full season of Luis Robert. I know he's probably the, the biggest name, um, in terms of, you know, from top to bottom on the list and, you know, Mike, Mike Ardolfo and Blake, and I mean, it's just, it's incredible because half your team is on the top 10, but, uh, right. but what did you see, um, from Luis Robert? I mean, he, he tore up the Arizona Fall League, but what did you see from him in a limited time? You did get to to play with him.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, it, it, he's just a, to the, the best thing I can say about him is he's a specimen. He's an athletic specimen. I mean, and, and you know, he didn't, he didn't put up great numbers when he was with us, but I don't think anybody in the clubhouse worried about that at all um, going forward, because, you know, you work with him day in and day out and you see him in the clubhouse and he's just, he's a freak. and he's he's a player that just doesn't come around very often. And um, I, I know he was feeling a lot of pressure when he wasn't producing the numbers he wanted to. And, uh, I'm really happy he did he did that in the Arizona Fall League, and he proved to be the player that, you know, that everybody thought he was and everybody knew he was. Um, but just the stuff he can do on the field, just his speed and power and just the way he plays the outfield. I think, you know, everybody talks about his, his speed and his power, but I, I thought what impressed me the most was the way he played the outfield. The, the, some of the catches he made and the way he can run down the ball in center field was, I mean, it was beyond impressive. So um, I was really happy to see him in the Fall League kind of, get back to the Luis Robert that, um, you know, people were expecting. I think that, you know, he, he silenced the people that were starting to doubt him a little bit. And I was really excited to see that for him.
0: Another guy that didn't uh, didn't get to play a full season was Mike Rodolfo And I think, another, I mean, he's, you just, you just watch him take BP. And I mean, he didn't throw this year, but I mean, that's another guy sure. that <laughs> you, you see, you see his body and you see the raw power and his athletic. I mean, just the way he's built, it's just, you just hope it hope and pray that he's got a full season of healthy baseball next year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm,
0: I got really close with Micah
2: playing with him awesome in the guy awesome and, guy. and then yeah, really good guy. Um, we, we've become really close. We still text almost, almost every day in the off season. And, um, no, that's a guy that you just, if you're on the other team, you come out to watch him take BP and and when you're, when you're on the same team with him, you just, you stop fielding ground balls and you just watch yeah. it. And, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's another guy that's just, he's a player that you don't see very often in terms of his size and the way he runs and his arm from the outfield. obviously couldn't see it this year, but I mean, that's a guy that, that's got a better arm than the most big leaguers from the outfield. And, um, you know, it, it, he's a great guy. He's one of those guys that you would never know um, that he's one of the best players. So he doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't show it. He just, he just goes about his business and he's, he's a fun loving guy. And um, that's another guy you hope just bounces back and, and puts up big numbers this next year and uh, who knows with him he could he he can fly through the system as fast as anybody
0: one more uh one more guy I want to ask you up with then we'll, we'll wrap things up uh, but uh, so Micah and, and um Micah's you know just been extremely extremely uh, nice to me this entire season and just I mean just sure. just a guy that easy to talk to and people don't realize that maybe people maybe Sox fans that you know, just kind of get back, getting back on the bandwagon, I guess you could say kind of paying attention. They don't realize the arm that he has because he didn't get no. to play the field and his right. arm is as good as his bad. Would you agree?
2: I, I I would say it might be as bad as he has, exactly. honest. I mean, you, you just watch him throw the baseball and it's the, I mean, I've got to cut it off on the way to home plate. and <laughs> It's still whizzing by me, my face from, from 200 feet away. And, um, no, that's it's it's a tool that tool that not many possess, and um, I think that you know that, that might be the most fun. It, it's I O is usually the most boring part of the day, but when you see him throw, it's it's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really underrated tool. And I think when people go and, and actually see it put to use and see a guy trying to tag up on him, it's it's pretty impressive and fun to watch.
0: I didn't uh, obviously didn't make it to the minors, but when I played in college, I, I played outfield. So you know, people with arms, that's that's kind of. I kind of I can kind of relate to that because I it just not everyone can throw. I mean, even if you're in the outfield, not everyone right. can throw. As you know that you sure. as a hitter, you know who's got an arm when you're at first base. If you can go first to third on him or, or whatever it is, and you know that not Absolutely. everyone just because you're in the outfield, not everyone can throw. And he's he's pretty special talent out there.
2: Very special.
0: The uh, last guy I want to talk to you about real quick before I ask you about uh, what you're doing this offseason is uh, the other guest on my the next podcast. So it'll be Micah and then Tyler Johnson um Tyler okay. Johnson I saw him in, in Kannapolis opening night in, in April and I just thought man this is this is a guy that if he's not up in the Sox pen you know the middle of next year maybe the end of, of next year it's just like I would be very surprised that kid has got right. I mean obviously he's got to work on he had to work on some secondary and, and tertiary pitches but that arm that he has is
2: <laughs> second very to none. Special. yeah yeah um no uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of things that but Tyler's, uh, I think first and foremost is his work ethic. I mean, the way he attacks every day, I mean, he's a guy that, that no matter what day it is, if he just pitched the day before, if he's pitching that day, he's in the weight room and he's, he's grinding in there. And, um, I mean, he's got a, he's got a work ethic that's second to none. And, uh, I, I think that that's, you know, what got him to this position and, um, obviously his arm is so special and, um, he's got a great makeup um it, it's just fun to watch when he gets on the mound. He's a bulldog for us. And coming down the stretch, he was huge for us. If he came in with a one-run game, we felt we felt very confident that the game was over when he came in the game. And, uh, you know, he would give us whatever he's got. If he threw two days in a row, he, he came in on that third day. We knew that he was going to give it all he had. And um, I think that he made some really big steps in, in being able to locate his slider and, and got his changeup going a little bit this year. I know that him and him and Coach Zaleski were, working on that a lot and uh no I, I think that he's got exactly what you said I mean I it'll be fun to see how quickly he moves up as well and um he was a huge addition for us coming down the coming down the stretch after losing Thompson and Foster
0: the other thing to note um before we get to your off season is these guys we keep bringing up and everyone in the clubhouse these are all they're all good personable fun guys i mean it's not oh, great. There, there's no it doesn't didn't seem like there's guys with just egos to the roof even though you guys were stacked you know in terms of yeah. you know the third best system and according to the pipeline you don't it didn't seem like there's tons of guys with egos and i think that just is that is a testament to what hosteller and the Sox have done and who they've drafted
2: i completely agree i mean i think that's why that's why we messed so well i mean there was so much talent in there but there was there were no egos and uh the only way we have the season we have is if there's no egos i mean there's way too much talent in that room for for each person to be talking about how good they are because the, the guy next to you can say more than you can say so um no i think that you know the group of guys we have and i think that's why it's yeah. so exciting for socks fans right now is because it's such a great group of guys that you can root for and, and you can follow and um i, I think that makes it more fun
0: I, uh, I purchased, I got my, I'm in Chicago now working uh, downtown, so I got my uh, 20 game plan. So I'm, I'm excited for next year and then, you know, these next couple years moving forward. So uh, Absolutely. it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. um I keep saying we're going to get to your offseason. But one other thing, uh, best, best hitter on an opposing team this year you played against and the best pitcher you faced on an opposing team?
2: Oof. Oh, man, best pitcher, I would say, was probably um, oh, the best pitcher was was Darwin Gonzalez, I believe his name was, from um, the Salem Red Sox. He was a lefty. I think he led the league in strikeouts once Dylan Cease left. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I just thought obviously he lead the league in strikeouts, he's doing something well, but
1: right
0: he was a
2: lefty that was throwing 95, 96 and, um, you know, he, he had total commands and then best hitter was, <laughs> was Bobby Dahlbeck. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. that, I think that guy hit probably nine, nine or 10 home runs against us this year. So, <laughs> <It's> just... um, <laughs> I saw, I saw him jogging in front of me plenty of times this year. So, uh, I got to give him a lot of respect for that. So, um, yeah, I would say those, that, that team had a good team. They didn't, they, they weren't there in terms of, uh, wins and losses but but they had a lot of talent on their team
0: all right so your off season, you kind of told me before we uh kind of started this a lot of outdoors activities you're just getting back to uh to baseball but to kind of take me through um you know uh, a a day or two in the uh, life of gavin sheets here in the offseason
2: <laughs> well there's a lot of a lot of hunting and fishing going on which is which is always fun you get you get to slow it down a little bit and um, i love being outdoors and, and playing some golf but no, I think the the biggest thing of the weekdays is is all based around um, the workout schedule and and kind of going through the w- White Sox workouts and, and modifying a little bit to to what I need to do this year and um, you know it's it's all based around that. My days are all based around that and um, getting in there, starting to hit again, which which feels good to get back in there and and get, start hitting and working on some things this off season. So um, yeah, it's it's basically a lot of lot of activity stuff and being outdoors is something I love to do and, and getting to slow it down a little bit when you're outside of the season is, is always nice.
0: What are you, I know we can, we talked about the power. I think that's from, you know, any Sox fan out there is kind of um, looking for that from you, but what are some goals, maybe one goal for next year for you? Is it the power numbers? Is it, you know, being, I mean, obviously you want to be a good teammate and you want to help the team win and, and all that stuff, but your goal um, you know, at the end of the day, obviously, is to to get to the major leagues. So, what do you think right. you need to do next year to take that next step forward to position yourself to become that the next uh, Sox first baseman down the line?
2: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think th- the goal is is to um you know be the same hitters this year, do ha- have a similar stat line, but have have more home runs. Um, that that's the goal is to. You know, if if I sacrifice 10 points in average and hit 280, but but hit 15 to 20 home runs, I think that's a success. You know, I don't wanna I don't wanna be a guy that, that this year, you know, just focus on home runs and drops down to a 200 hitter and hits yeah. 20 home runs. I don't think that's a yeah, I don't think that's a good hitter. And uh, my goal is to you know do what I did, still be a good hitter, but but add those power numbers and, and be a complete hitter. Um, you know, I think that. I've I've become a good hitter, but I'm not a complete hitter yet. And, and the goal this year is to put up those power numbers and, and then become a complete hitter. In my mind,
0: we could probably uh, talk baseball tonight. It seems like, but uh, I think uh, I think that'll that'll do it. So, Gavin, man, thanks for your time and um, good luck uh, coming up. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. And yeah, good luck this year.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. So there you have it. The uh, first of several off-season future Sox podcasts. Uh, Dylan Cease, who was just added to the uh, 40-man roster today. And by today, I mean uh, November 20th. And Gavin Sheets coming up on the next one. It'll be Tyler Johnson and Micah Adolfo. And then following that, it'll be uh, Luis Gonzalez and Blake Rutherford. So once again, thanks for listening to the uh, Future Sox podcast. We'll be back with another one after the Thanksgiving holiday. So have a safe and happy holiday.